but actually why you know we're putting things away in lockers and hiding the human when humans work in workplaces and I think that's the key thing is that things and spaces have can have great meaning they can be really personal and they're, they're embedded within things and then we can sort of have interesting I've had interesting conversations with people since about you know how much we design the human out of workspace now um, you know are we becoming obsessed with collaborative working and obsessed with being together all the time and and have we designed privacy out have we designed the individual out because actually when you ask people what spaces are important to you they're hiding in toilets so they can have a private conversation or they're standing on stairwells because that's where they can uh, have the sort of private or confidential conversation you know that they need to hello i'm ian rodwell and welcome to the latest episode of the link later's ideas foundry where we talk about and try to unpick the art of working together in the 21st century organisation. And I'm really excited and a little bit intrigued about speaking to my next guest, who I recently heard on Radio 4's Thinking Aloud. Dr Harriet Short is Associate Professor in Organisation Studies at the University of the West of England, where her research focuses on organisational space, artefacts and the materiality of work. This means Harriet is an expert on the ways in which where we work affects how we work. And that, of course, is a key question that many of us are currently wrestling with. For virtual and hybrid working have emphasised that the spaces in which we work matter. They strongly influence what we do and how we do it. So, Harriet, welcome to the Ideas Foundry. Thank you, Ian. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Harriet, tell me about your role and the work you do at UWE. And why space? Where, where does that interest come from? Good question. Um, well, my, first of all, my role um, at UWE, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm an associate prof um, in the business school. So um, I'm in the organisation studies cluster, which means we study uh, people at work and organisational behaviour and topics like that. Uh, I've got lots of roles at UWE, uh, including the college lead for apprenticeships. I do a bit of uh, postgraduate teaching, but I guess my main role is uh, research focused. And that includes two very particular areas of um, specialism. The first is the study uh, of visual methods. Um, I'm interested in how visual methods can tell us more about organisational life and people and their experiences of the workplace so I tend to use photography but have used drawing and filmmaking as well but largely my work focuses on space and place as you say and, and the visual kind of plays into that I'm, I often ask people to take photographs of their experiences of, of workplace and space and I'm interested in the user experience of space in particular. So while I'm not an architect or an interior designer or anything like that, I don't come from a sort of top-down design perspective, but I'm interested in how spaces make people feel, the very much the su sort of subjective experience of space, where people go, how they use the space, what artifacts and objects are important and why. So very much the everyday life side of things. Um, why space? Well, I was I was thinking about this before you invited me uh, to the podcast, and I think it all started with a book that I read as a sociology student. It was um, Polly Toynbee's book, Life in Low Pay Britain, 
and I was fascinated by the sort of invisible work that goes on. We, we talk about, particularly in business schools, we talk about often corporate environments. We talk about the workplace um, and we, we think about the very particular jobs. And I guess I was interested in people who had um, every everyday jobs that we often overlook but are really important to the functioning of society and it was in um in that book where Polly Toynbee explores the life and work of um of cleaners and dinner ladies and and all these sort of different um uh jobs that that space seemed to be important the environment in which people were working was really significant in terms of how they felt uh impacted all sorts of things to do with feelings emotions culture um, power dynamics, uh, the politics of where they worked, um, motivation, all of those sort of organ big organisation studies topics. So that really, that was where I sort of got interested in space and, and work and people at work and the, the importance of exploring that. So talking about your studies, I'm intrigued by your early work with hairdressers and, and how the spaces within the salons played a, a really important role in the lives and the, the identities, I guess, of those working there. So can you say something about that re research you carried out and, and what did you find? Well, that was just the most delightful research I've done. I think that will always go down as uh, my, my, probably my favourite field work. Um, hanging out in hair salons, I think, is one of the most fascinating things you can do for a variety of different reasons, but maybe that's another podcast. And I was kind of you know harking back to, to Polly Toynbee's book you know but what about the other work that goes on in our society what you know what who are the overlooked and under-researched and where do they work and what's it like for them so uh, my postgraduate studies had happened to my dissertation had happened to be on hairdressers and, and their emotional labour and I sort of was really fascinated in in their sort of work it was a very different sort of service encounter that we get in in lots of other service encounters so um so I decided yes I thought that would be an interesting site in which to explore how do people hairdressers or, or otherwise but I focus on hairdressers uh, working in these very fluid open shared spaces construct a sense of identity when they don't really they don't really own anything. So uh, works with five different salons right across the UK, around 43 hairdressers. I work with all at different stages within their careers, all different sorts of salons. And what did I find? Well, the data collection for that particular project involved the visual. So I mentioned earlier my, my um, uh, specialism in, in visual methods. So I asked the hairdressers, hairdressers to take photographs of uh, the spaces and places that were important to them and show me how it feels to work in these sorts of spaces um, and how they construct that sense of identity. So ended up with hundreds and hundreds of photographs and hours and hours of uh, transcripts from talking to all these fascinating workers. And I guess one of my core findings was the significance and importance of liminal spaces. And I know Ian, we've talked a few times about our interest in the in-between and the, the the liminal spaces of work. So uh, for listeners who might not be familiar with the liminal spaces of work, these are the sort of transitory in-between spaces. We're talking about toilets and stairwells, doorways and corridors. And these were the spaces that the hairdressers photographed as important. 
Well, of course, as a sort of early career researcher at that point, I thought everyone had completely misunderstood my brief and I got lots of pictures of toilets and um, and strange corners of, of salon. I thought, well, these look pretty grim um, compared to the lushness of the of the salon, perhaps. Um, but of course, when I spoke to them and we had these these photo elicitation interviews, you get to find out how significant just how significant these spaces are. And they were really important. They were sites for privacy and taking a moment and, and taking time out. They were sites for socialising and being with colleagues and friends. They were sites for crying and expressing emotion, uh, sites for inspiration and creativity where they'd hang out with people and have interesting creative sorts of conversations. So I remember talking to one of the salon managers in London about the use of liminal spaces and, and observing uh, from, from some of the data how the hairdressers were, were using these sort of on the edges of the salon sorts of spaces. And, and he agreed and he said, you know, it's really frustrated that so many hairdressers he said you know they don't seem to come to the staff meetings and talk about these creative ideas and, and these innovative ways of working they're doing it all out there on the fire uh, fire exit steps and, and that's where all the really good conversations happen and he was really kind of appreciative of it but you could see that he was frustrated but but it sort of highlighted this point about these ad hoc interesting creative sorts of conversations happen in those sorts of spaces maybe not in the I don't want to say forced, but, you know, it, there, there are sort of social expectations within staff rooms and staff meetings. Perhaps it's not the easiest place necessarily to share things, especially when they're run by um, the managers of the salon. There's a power dynamic there, whereas you look at liminal spaces, you know, that by dint of them being liminal and transitory, they don't have that power dynamic within them and the social norms and expectations. So, anything goes and there's a sense of freedom there so so perhaps that's why they're easier spaces to have those creative conversations and what I loved is that it came up in my next project so lovely lovely interesting findings and then um the project after that was that was based back in an office in a in an open plan uh, it was a new government agency office where they'd moved to open plan and hot desking and it was a big cultural shift in terms of how they work um, and I again they were interested in a sort of post-occupancy evaluation I think they'd been in there about 18 months and they were interested in okay well you know how are people getting on and how has this new way of working and being in this space affected people and uh, I asked people to take photographs again and again hundreds of pictures of toilets and corridors and stairwells again and you think right okay there's there's something going on here and 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 then we can sort of have interesting I've had interesting conversations with people since about you know how much we design the human out of workspace now um you know are we becoming obsessed with collaborative working and obsessed with being together all the time and and have we designed privacy out have we designed the individual out because actually when you ask people what spaces are important to you they're hiding in toilets so they can have a private conversation or they're standing on stairwells because that's where they can uh, have the sort of private or confidential conversation you know that they need to so look i i think this demonstrates that space and i guess everything in it matters and do you think we overlook that we just become so complacent that we don't really see what's around us and how that might affect the way we the way we work 
I think it's really easy to because we're we're probably busy getting on with the with the matter at hand, the busyness of work, um, and uh, and it's a, and it's strange really because you know we all work in a workplace, you know whether it's at home or on the move, you know we're, we're still working in in places, but I think organisations can often take quite a functional approach, um, and it's more about you know, it's about the money at the end of the day, you know, how, how much is it going to cost us to ha- house people in these containers and how many desks do we have? And I think you sort of, organisations can forget that the small stuff does mean something. And as I said at the beginning, you know, really that that one chapter that really got me um, early in my career about um, Sort of artifacts and aesthetics being um, symbolic somehow, and I think that's the key thing: is that things and spaces have can have great meaning. They can be really personal, and they're they're embedded within things, um, and and that can be really really tiny things. And I mean, I'm I'm really interested in sort of micro sociology and like the real mundane, again invisible, overlooked if we place things under a microscope what do we see and one of my favorite photographs from the hairdressers project uh, was a picture that one of uh, the hairdressers took in her salon the really small salon with the one chair one sink and um, she took a photograph of the sort of base of the chair um, and around the bottom of the chair on the floor so like a lino if you imagine a lino floor there was a scuff mark that's a pretty much crescent moon shaped around the chair. So essentially where she's been working and scuffed the floor for however many years. And when I said to her, what does this photograph mean to you? She said, well, you want to know about identity? That's me. That's that's 25 years hard work and that's me. And so um, I wrote a paper with a, with a colleague um, about the sort of scarred nature of the face of work and actually maybe we should be a little bit more mindful of what scuffs and scars are in our workplaces because they are somehow time marks that that say something about our memories there's a real sense of um, embeddedness and of course that's important for not just hairdressers working in hair salons but um for all people working working in these very flexible transient sorts of worlds because we all live in uh, workplaces that seem obsessed with um being anonymous and being clear desk and somehow sanitizing the workplace and and keeping it clean and i'm not talking about covid keeping it clean i'm talking about sort of stripping any sense of identity you know we, we shouldn't be having our personal items out and, and all of that all of that kind of thing and but actually why you know we're putting things away in lockers and hiding the human when humans work in workplaces I remember one lady in the um, government agency that I worked in uh, she it was clear desk policy there so you know how you get those sort of dividers between sections in a in an open plan office and um she got one of those sort of a roll of freeze that sort of paper that do you remember uh you can get freezes mm. um like little mini wallpaper that you can just put yeah. along your your uh 
wall and she'd got one of those a long strip and then on that she'd blue tacked her photographs of her family photographs of holiday postcards personal items and she'd roll it up at the end of the day and then in the next day she'd roll it out velcro it to the um dividers between um the desks and she had a little pot plant that she carried around with her and so even even in a sort of a uh, temporary sort of way would curate this workspace that felt like home or some sense of territory or ownership over that space and then she'd pack it all away again and move to the next desk the next day um, but it's important to some people and I, and, it, and we shouldn't overlook that. Now I guess at this, at this point people might be thinking well look you're talking about workplaces but here we are in this COVID, COVID emergent world and our workplaces are now all or partly virtual with Zoom, Teams, Slack, etc. Surely space doesn't matter anymore. Well, I would clearly disagree. Um, I mean, I, I think space matters now probably more than ever. Um, we're, we're, we're working and living in multiple spaces now. So, uh, so I, think it, I think it's really key that we, we keep our attention on this. You know, we're working in offices, homes, um, on the move. Whether we're connecting people virtually, we are still somewhere where we are connecting virtually. We, we choose to be somewhere. And some people might have more choice than others. So there's this sort of physical, digital world. Um, and I guess one of the biggest shifts has been with homeworking. Um, and we've learned a lot over the last few years about that. And we're still navigating that. I'm cautious of organisations who sort of have just picked up hybrid working and said, right, you know, we're hybrid working now. When I think there's quite a lot to learn um, because we are still working out that how blurry those boundaries are between the private and the public. Um, and over COVID, of course, we saw, I remember talking to quite a few people because I was, at the time, I was writing a book chapter for a book called Life After COVID, um, edited by Martin Parker at Bristol University. And a colleague of mine, Michael Isaac, um, and I were writing a, a, a chapter for that about um, homeworking and and how backgrounds and the, the materiality of like wherever you were was kind of significant and what the impact of that was on relationships, for example. So we all seemed quite, you know, terribly interested in um, people's backgrounds and um, who was there and people's cats and children and bookshelves and so on and so forth and, um, and it became a bit of a thing you know and, and then people were picking virtual backgrounds and like what you know why had they picked that particular background what did that say and all of that, all of those sorts of things and of course having talked to people through that period of time for the chapter it was interesting to explore how seeing that that private life that you never would have seen right like we can have these corridor conversations in the workplace but we never would have seen people's pets and children and heard their washing machine and the door go doorbell goes and you're off to get a package and all of this sort of stuff and there was something really important for a lot of people the majority of the people that we spoke to said it was really lovely to sort of see how certain workplace not barriers, but those sort of those power dynamics, I guess, that we would um, 
you know, with colleagues at work, you're both in the same space, whereas you're now seeing a little glimpse of people's private lives. And, and there was a real sense of connection and a real sense of um, uh, shifting those, those power dynamics um, a, a fair bit. And that informality was enjoyed by a lot of people we spoke to. Not everybody. Um, for others, it was a really difficult and remains a really difficult uh, thing to to be able to sort of share that private um, that private sort of life and that private background. So um, so yeah, I think I think we've become intrigued by it, and I think we should be curious about over the last few years. You know what what has space done to the ways in which we work and I think there's a lot to be done learning from what has happened and saying okay how was that like what happened and what did you do and how did you cope and it was a you could argue that that was a transitory sort of time that liminal period through Covid come out coming out um, working practices have changed so what does that mean for the future so there's plenty there I think to still explore um, certainly for organisations, if we're thinking about our employees and staff and what's important when we are, well, you know, what do we mean when we're talking about hybrid working um, and have we consulted the people that are and will be hybrid working? So outside of, kind of hybrid, hybrid working, you know, do you think there are other areas that we can explore in relation to spaces in organisations? And to what extent will they continue to be important? Well, I guess um, you know, the developments in, I mean, the ways in which they'll continue to be important, I think will be, you know, thinking about technology and how technology will drive um, differences in, in ways of working and again, where we work and how that impacts people and their everyday lives. Um, the changing nature of work, I think, is key. Um, you know, we, we're seeing this huge boom with co-working spaces and, and it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts and whether that shifts. Um, navigating this whole public-private um, and, and uh, what working patterns look like in the future, I think, is really important to consider. So that next generation of thinking about workplace, what, you know, what will workplace be? What does that what does that mean? Um, so I think outside of the hybrid part, I think it's like, well, there's there's all those working patterns and shifts in what we see and understand as workplace in the, in the future. Well, it seems to have opened up a whole new avenue of research possibilities for you. Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> Harriet, look, thank you so much uh, for joining me. There, there is so much to reflect on there um, and also I guess we've been we've been living the the dream because this is a virtual a virtual podcast uh, this is. Uh, and, and and as you've been talking I've been sort of looking at your background but part of me is thinking is it a real background or is it is it an applied background <laughs> <laughs> you can leave you can leave that one unsaid we can we can leave that as a mystery um, but Harriet, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast and good luck with all your future research. Pleasure. Thank you for having me.